0: Hi, and welcome to this edition of Network AF. We have Zach Smith. Uh, Zach uh, has started multiple companies in networking, and we're going to talk about how to get into networking, how we learn uh, open source in networking, cloud versus traditional networks, and uh, sustainability as well. Hi, and welcome to Network AF. I'd like to welcome my friend and fellow networker, Zach Smith. Zach actually is responsible for um, helping me found Kentic indirectly in that he introduced me to one of my co-founders, Justin Beagle, um, when Zach thought that I was still in uh, hosting Colo Cloud, and Justin was looking to stay in Justin, uh, in uh, in hosting and cloud and uh, introduced us. Justin discovered I was not doing that anymore and was like, what is this analytics stuff?
1: And, what is this amazing network stuff where I don't have to take all the server calls?
0: That's right. And I'm not in the middle of the path, you know, if, if things die or and companies don't tell me to get all my servers and leave them, you know, move them from the building because Google has just <laughs> bought it, so uh Well, thanks again zach and uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, who you are and what you're what you're up to what you
1: do now sure awesome hey avi it's so good i'm I'm a kind of like a little flattered to be included in the network you know guys thing with with you but um because I wouldn't normally call myself that but um a little bit about me so yeah, my name is Zach Smith I live in new york uh, been working in and out of the kind of internet plumbing business for about twenty some years i Landed into it like most people, totally on accident. Um, had a uh, you know kind of formal training as a classical musician, and then needed a job like all you know well-trained classical musicians, and uh, ended up getting into the web hosting business in 2001. After that, I had to learn around networks and build some things because you know wasn't so easy back then. You had to like. Hiked up the data center stairs both ways, up hills or whatever it was. Um, cable your own Cat five. So yeah, we had to build some I, stuff. I don't do that. Was, I
0: believe Cat five should be extruded from from the from the back of the machine. I don't. Right. I, don't, I, <laughs> do <that myself.
1: laughs> I did a couple punch downs and, and polished some fiber here and there, but not very well. Um, yeah, so I worked. At, you know, kind of learning the stuff and figuring it out along the way, building some networks and peering, or at least around people who were doing so. And um, kind of couldn't get out. Um, spent the last uh, six years building a startup called Packet, where we automated single-tenant hardware um, around the world. And in March of 2020, um, that business was acquired by Equinix. So now I work at Equinix, where I run um, the Equinix metal business. And what we do is basically help our customers access the kind of global reach of Equinix. So 240 data centers all across the world um, with less friction. Than what you do with Colo. Um, and so we're kind of building an automated Colo product attached to our interconnection capabilities. So that's what I do these days.
0: Awesome. I'm a customer of Equinex. Those are most of my customers. and
1: Thank you our very much.
0: environment lives in packets. So thank you very Love much. Love it. <laughs> so um, how did you get started? You know, you talk about that. What was the transition from music to uh, music to networking, which I know other people who have done also, but
1: this you was- know. We have this kind of, um, we do an all hands every Monday and it's increasingly number of people. And we started to put on during the pandemic, tiny fortress concerts. So, you know, the Equinix thing is like a fortress, right? Uh-huh. So instead of the tiny desk concerts, we do tiny fortress concerts. And like every week or every other week, we highlight a musician in our ranks because turns out there's tons of musicians wow. who work in, you know, networks and whatever. I, I kind of have this thesis that most people in the plumbing of the internet either were like the stagehands in musical theater in high school or like... My brother. Yeah, or we in the band.
0: Voice,
1: yeah. <laughs> tech crew, tech crew. One or the other. Um, but uh, so yeah, uh, my my story was um, not that glamorous when I was working here in New York City to pay my way through college. I spent a bunch of time basically doing PC repair um, in Fifth Avenue apartments for 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 rich old ladies. <laughs> and so <laughs> I figured out that I could make more money um, getting um, people connected to the internet with AOL discs um, and figuring out why their printers didn't work, then uh, working at the box office at Juilliard, handing out tickets for minimum wage. So um, that was kind of my intro into computers. I'd always liked computers. Um, some of my friends when I was younger were really into gaming, so I was the guy who like lugged around the, the PC, <laughs> you know, and and they were the ones who did all the gaming. Um, but it, it's cool. Uh, so I have been like comfortable with you know technology in, in a little bit of way, but never really thought about it as a career. I was studying for music. So after Juilliard, um, I needed a job and I ended up working a night shift at a bank doing PowerPoint. I was 6pm to 4am working on PowerPoint decks for, for bankers who, who actually never showed up to work. They were out with customers. <laughs> and I was sitting there. You couldn't leave because they might come back and they needed mm-hmm. to have you like update all the prices in the pitch deck before the next morning or whatever. And so I had a ton of time and access to the internet. And so I started thinking, this was just before September 11th, and they were paying kind of ungodly amount of money for us to sit there and do nothing. And I was like, this is not going to last. So I had to figure out a real job or some some sort of thing. Yeah, something. I was like, I'm gonna get ahead of this. Um, and so I said, I'll start a business because nobody would hire a Juilliard grad into like a real career. And so I... Um, I, I called a friend of mine. Uh, his name's John LaRue, and he was a family friend, the only person I knew who had ever kind of started a business or whatnot. And my parents were both in kind of you know, trade businesses or, or, or whatnot. And um, he had started a CELAC called PackWest Telecom back oh, in the, the mid 90s. Yeah. And providing like dial up, hack call, and things like that. And I said, Hey, John, um, I'm thinking of getting into business. Should I start a phone company? And he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> do not start a phone company. Um, but he said, do start something uh, with recurring revenue. Because if you, you know, charge people, sell them once, and then you don't mess up, just treat them well, they'll usually pay you every month. And that's a good business model. And so I basically decided I was going to sell web hosting to musicians. $20 pages, put them on the internet. Everybody needed a business card on the internet at the time. And um, and so I went to webhostingtalk.com and posted at 2 a.m. in the morning on somebody who could sell me a Linux server. A Linux? A Linux server because I didn't know I had heard the word, but I didn't know how to spell it. That's great. Linux.
0: I need a Linux distribution.
1: I needed a Linux a Linux distribution. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and lo and behold, Raj Dutt messaged me back um, from this hosting company up in Troy, New York called Voxel and said, you know, sold me a server basically because I had you know, some time and money and he had servers and knew, knew a thing or two about Linux, it turns out. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of what got me in. And a couple... I remember, it was a couple months later, I'd sold... It turns out I was pretty good at selling. So, you know, I had sold a, a couple hundred $20 a month web hosting accounts to musicians. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of like the hookup for, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, cheap websites on the internet um, for musicians in New York. And so I, I put on a suit and I drove up to Troy, New York, to go meet suit you know to see Raj. Okay, to see Raj. I was going to go and like see what this big company was about and see if I could you know really do some business and whatever. And I show up there and it's just it's Raj and Matt and a couple of his roommates. Raj was late you know by a while, um, and they were just you know college kids who were kind of either at RPI or a dropped out of RPI. I couldn't really tell. And um, so we decided to go into business together. It took a while, but um, I became partners, and uh, I did a lot of the operations and success selling side. And Raj is, you know, running all the product and making all the good stuff. And and we created um, a pretty cool cloud company CDN. And uh, that's where we really got into networks because, you know, turns out at the time IP transit was expensive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and the question was always like wait, I need to put a lot of servers at 25 Broadway Telehouse, but they don't have a lot of power. (laughs) So where am I going to put the servers that can be near the network? Um, Mm -hmm. And it turns out that was really expensive. So I needed to put the servers, we needed to put the servers someplace different from the network. And we had to start getting into some DWDM and, you know, building a little metro ring and figuring out how we could backhaul to the right places. So that's how... That's how the deep, dark hole began.
0: That's awesome. You you make me remember when I used to go to computer shows and buy computer parts and put them together for people. And I remember a moment of crystal clarity when I told the first customer, because, of course, then they all wanted help with their disk is full and they can't use AOL or whatever. (laughs) because you as were the a computer Go to Micro Center and buy a Compact with a three-year warranty. It'll be cheaper and you'll be happier. And like, no, 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 we need to buy it from you. I remember when they bought my ISP and, and, and the company that bought the company that bought the company finally shut down the shell accounts. People were like, you need to do a shell business. I'm like, go get a VPS. You'll be much happier. And,
1: uh, and it be so much easier. <laughs> uh,
0: yes. Like you, I discovered the joy of recurring revenue. This is the first SaaS, Kentik, but you know, recurring revenue, as you said, if you do a good job don't view customers as a nuisance, right? Um, you know, I sort of laugh at this whole network as a service thing now, which I'm sure you, you have a
1: product for, right? But well, it, it, was it, it it wasn't it always a service? Exactly, <laughs>
0: but it's it's the modern approach of hey, I have a service that means I invest in the customer, you know, and things go well.
1: Well, maybe so, it kind of borns from the whole like when you had to be my customer because I was the only network that right. it wasn't <laughs> really a service; it was just like a toll, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, yes, I mean in monopoly subsidies and all that. So, um, and it's funny because I had Elliot Nostan, who's at Two Cows, and I remember almost ten years ago, he's like, Avi, do you want to help me do like fiber ISP? I'm like, ISP? Who wants to do that anymore? And he's like, No, 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 it's it's it's, and you know, it is a mitzvah, like right. it, it really is. <laughs> of, you know, to Back. to help, but yeah, no, I mean, it is a thing, and I, it's funny because I, I was at Akamai. I remember hearing about Voxel, and like you wound up getting. A, a number of really good people. I remember when TCap was involved with you. I'm like, what? They're building a CDN. Who built a CDN? Um, and uh, storage. You know, we were talking about object storage and all this stuff. You know, ProtoCloud. Um, and uh, and of course, the testament is you look at what's come out of that. Um, uh, so Grafana. You know, Raj, as you mentioned, NS1. You know, Packet. Uh, we're I, I I consider myself an honorary voxel mafia. Oh,
1: so I mean, that's so cool.
0: <laughs> so, um, was that was that a challenge doing so many different things? You know, in a company, how big was how many people was voxel? You know, if you can share.
1: You know, I think at of- our I think at our peak when we sold the internet app in 2011, I think we we're like 90 people or something. And uh, yeah, we we had a lot of products, and it was kind of interesting because um, I've been thinking about this uh, recently because. One of the things that Raj and I as, as um founders or as partners were very different. I always considered us to be like oil and water. And I I thought that was a negative. Actually, it was a super positive looking back at arrears, like with more space and time between you and more maturity, because we were like 20 something year old punks at the time, right? right? Um, is uh, you know, we had very different strengths. And one of the things that I was always focused on, I was kind of, I'm the kind of kid who wore my socks to bed just so I could get up and put my shoes on. I didn't want to right. be late for school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, that's a little bit different with Raj, who's more focused on like the ideas and the creative. He, frankly, is a very, very creative individual. And I was very like, well, what? how are we going to solve this problem? Where's the process for that? And like, you know, whatever. And so um, I was always really focused on the now. In our business, and how could we make money with this? How could we make sure to just stick to this thing? And Raj was always forward thinking, you know. And he, frankly, when in arrears, when I look back, he was already thinking well into, you know, how a cloud was going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2003 and four, when we started hacking with Zen, when we had no business hacking on Zen, you know, well, and hiring developers. One I remember that was like, um,
0: like <laughs> object storage. I'm like, why is an ISP thinking about object storage? That's awesome. Exactly. I love talking about object storage, but. <laughs>
1: Totally, we were investing in Swift and, and committing on that it' was way too early for our own good like we didn 't have resources for that, but you know I think Raj really saw where this would go, but we just had bigger eyes than our stomach would allow frankly and that that pushed us, but it also attracted a lot of really great people to the mission of kind of utility scale computing and you know highly programmatic access to infrastructure primitives you know we were Kind of pushing that thought process. I mean, execution was, I think, you know, great due to some individuals. But you know, from a business perspective, I think we maybe didn't capitalize on all of that. Um, but we certainly pushed the limit on where we were thinking. And and kind of, I also would say that we just, you know, we didn't have a lot. How do we? Until until maybe two thousand seven or eight, we didn't have too much to lose. Okay. So it was kind of like, yeah, keep re- keep reinventing yourself and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a pretty exciting time of early cloud computing, right? Because yeah. think how many hosting companies were around, and how many. It was very fragmented. There was just so much going on. Um, it's obviously consolidated to a large degree, I think, at this point in the internet infrastructure space. But individual regional data centers and peering exchanges were popping up, and like it was still a little wild west. So you could afford to go out there and. Throw the football and see what happened.
0: Yeah, and I was through probably some some part of my own. I was communicating too technically and not enough at the business level. Mm-hmm. I was at Akamai, and you know for about eight years tried to get us to build something which is now a thing: native edge computing. Right, um, because we had a Java-based edge computing, but you know it would have been a different margin profile, a different capital profile
1: in the yeah. earlier days. You know, things different were customer going. profile in a lot of ways too, right? this developer yes, customer,
0: but a lot of our customers ran their origin. So it's like mm. it's the people, right? What can you mm. abstract? If you look at what Akamai did with early provisioning system, commit rollback, you know, of systems, auditing, yep. logging, message. Community. It looks like a lot of those systems. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a planetary scale computer,
1: yeah, big distributed uh, system.
0: <laughs> yes, but uh, could not uh, could not get that going. So it was, it was fun to see that kind of uh, that kind of innovation. Um, so. You know, the internet community is a little different, maybe, than some. There can be some hostility, but there's also, you know, coopetition. What yeah. was it What was it like when you, you know, sort of got in? Did you have mentors, um, you know, um, I, I don't know whether it was from the investment banking day or days or, you know, in, in in the company, outside the company, you know, um, what was it? How, yeah. How did you get in? And-
1: well, um, we had a really interesting setup. First and foremost, there was a big culture of open source. Um, at Voxel, which was how to contribute input within the community. Um, We were a big committer to Debian, um, pushing out as many things that we could into into the open. Um, And our first um, one of the projects that we struggled with um, was an open source billing platform called CBMS, which then became a proprietary SaaS platform called Mm -hmm. Ubersmith. And um, the reason why is because, you know, we we couldn't afford to continue to invest. The monetization angles of SaaS hadn't really right. occurred yet. Like, you know, so we were kind of struggling with how to build this, but it was very community driven. So so for years, I mean, for the entire time that um, we ran Voxel, we also had this subsidiary called Ubersmith, which armed and provided, provided billing platforms and device automation to basically all of our competitors. <laughs> and so um, we were, you know running the the back end of you know hundreds of different hosting and cloud companies as well as building our own and um it was kind of an interesting line to to um mm-hmm. straddle right mm-hmm. for us but what i always found in the hosting community and in cloud in general networking i think more broadly is like it is a community right and that's like what i actually align between the early you know open source as a thing, right? And you can see it in other things, network for sure. Like, you know, nano people get together. The internet only works if people are figuring it out together, right? And it's like the, you gotta, there's trust there and you gotta build those relationships. And I mean, one of my first things in networking was establishing you know, settlement free peering and, and to re- realize that that was actually built on trust with people. Like, are we going to, you know, basically like send traffic to each other's networks? Is that how that's going to work? Um, and maintain capacity together? And that's going to be good for both of us. Um, and so, doing things like that, I think you can see it in new- maybe not as much in cloud, which is more of a, I'm going to call it a, a verticalized proprietary, you yeah. know, approach to, to infrastructure. Um, and part of one of the reasons why I started Packet was to help, you know, kind of. Try and normalize that field a little bit, but I see it also weirdly enough in in um, the one that reminds me of the my early days in networking and and, and hosting is actually um, blockchain. That is also yep. really this kind of decentralized, distributed community trading thing where it's kind of rising tide reaches all boats. Make the tent bigger versus you know capitalize on the thing just for yourself. And um, I, see, I found a lot of community and partnership um, throughout that. And it wasn't always shared um, with other maybe hosting companies and whatnot in the earlier days. But I found through open source alignment and then through networking um, that those were very, very inclusive communities that always wanted to help talk about it. They're passionate. They had you know, robust communities and knew that they needed to figure out how to work. Otherwise, the whole thing didn't work. Um, and I think that's been one of the superpowers of of um, you know infrastructure businesses has been that community driven approach. And I'm hopeful that in things like SaaS applications and mm-hmm. you know cloud, that that can that can also be a thing. You know, and, and uh, but like for me, it was always great because I never you had to you had to get over. And this is something maybe I learned at Juilliard a bit. Like you have to be okay being the stupidest person in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I went to Juilliard and I was like. There are two out of a hundred people who auditioned for the for the double bass thing got in. So I was like, not bad. But I was absolutely the worst at the school. Let's be clear. Like <laughs> there were like virtuosos, and I was kind of you know making it along. So you have to be willing to be humble and eat that. And, and when I first got into um, networks and hosting, I don't know anything. But as long as you're willing to ask more questions, I've found that people are really interested to share and help, which is pretty cool.
0: I love saying. I don't know yet, you know? And then one of the things I try to advise uh, uh, people to do, not just earlier in career or younger, is when something was confusing, it can be, often you don't want to admit that it was confusing because it's like, oh, well, everyone understands. But it probably means that it should have been explained better. Um, When I got into networking, it was all this Cisco mumbling joke about the, you know, the NLRI.
1: Right. Special command that that you had to know.
0: (laughs) And... Or I was talking with someone who works at VMware, and it's like I had—I told him I had to stop reading the Yellow Bricks blog because, like, I know what the things are, but it's like a stretched vSAN, blah blah blah, and I'm like, I don't know. It's but you know, the open source is is sort of the antithesis in some ways of the vendor ecosystem of everything is you have to fall into the certification hole and and do that. I guess question for you is, um, is that. Doing well by doing good. Have you seen a positive ROI on that at Voxel and and then at Packet? Because I saw you were very aggressive at Packet. You know, giving giving resources to open source and recently open sourcing. Not re- that recently. COVID creates this like air gap. I remember in person yeah. was when you did the announcement <laughs> <laughs> at Reinvent of the of open sourcing. Uh, you know, your 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 provisioner. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it served me well. Um, I I think that overall the Concept of creating bigger ecosystems and more opportunity. Generally, like I said, a bigger tent has has proven to be pretty good, right? And I think especially in technology, where it's all about opportunity, there's more things around the corner. We just need to encourage those to happen. Um, and so, being a part of widening the tent or broadening that has always been a good strategy for me. It's also part of you know broader mission, right? If 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 your if your goal in your job <laughs> is to like I want to be the number one this that provides all the things for that. Okay. I mean, that's a, that's a goal, right? There's also a broader goal, at least, you know, I've attached myself to is, you know, like, we want to enable this for the world. And however that happens, hopefully we're going to play a part in it. <laughs> and, but we still want to enable this for the world. And so, like, when we started Packet, the idea was that software was becoming more portable becoming more distributed and more, I'm going to call it open, right? And yet infrastructure was actually becoming more closed. It was harder to use and less accessible. And I thought back in my early days of the career and how we started Voxel, like you, we went to Alex Rubenstein at NAC, yeah. and he gave you know us a half rack and a, and a borrowed switch and showed us how to be on the internet and helped out. That would not be very possible today. Like, For somebody to just walk in and get a half rack of Colo from somebody who helped them get going on the internet, and um, and so in a weird dichotomy, you had this instant, easy consumption based access to infrastructure and backbones and thingamajiggers, but you couldn't actually innovate on it Mm -hmm. at your own pace because you weren't allowed to go play around on a global backbone. You could just use it and.
0: you could just, you know, connect and break things, but now
1: people don't like it if you break the... Right. it turns out <laughs> there's, like, yeah. real things going on on it. I'm sure we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> but so, so one of the reasons why we had started Pocket was this idea that we wanted to enable, you know, um, easier and better access to... Technology infrastructure that could be paired with software, so that magical things could happen for the world. Sustainability could be achieved through, you know, better use of our resources. Mm-hmm. Innovation could happen that, you know, was maybe inaccessible in in one or the other on its own. Um, and I struggled for many years. We tried. and we wrote a blog post back in 2015 about how we. I was like, we're going to OpenStack is 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 ready. We're going to do it. We're going to get in there with money and resources. We're going to fix bare metal provisioning in in OpenStack. And it turned out no, we weren't. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> many choices. OpenStack had too many choices. Like, right away, right away. <laughs> Sometimes you need a little bit of, in the middle, like, here's the things, here's the way to do it, not like five choices for everything.
1: And so, you know, we just, we had thought, like, open was the way, and it was. It was just the wrong place to do it at the time. And so we ended up creating kind of a proprietary set for automating physical hardware, how to make physical hardware accessible to developers. That was our mission, right? And um, so we ended up creating this, and then we, we, we really wanted to open source it. Early on in 2015, actually, but we struggled with well, how do we do that when the community is so niche? There wasn't that many people who cared about it. And how could we, like, the worst open source projects are the ones that die alone on the internet, you know? <laughs> like, um, and so, how could we do this when, when, when we couldn't find the community? And so, it took us a while to build a community that we knew cared deeply about fundamental infrastructure, just like we did. And then eventually, we we're able to find the resources and support bringing that out. And now it's pretty exciting to see what's happening. Part of the CNCF, um, we think fundamental infrastructure paired with portable software is an incredible boon to, mm-hmm. you know, not only our business but tons of others. Um, and I think we're firmly on the broader, bigger tent is going to equal, you know, more awesome things at this also, point. Also,
0: if if the open source isn't the core, what we've seen or I'd say struggled with, is. It actually takes more resources uh, to be oh, to yeah. have that community involvement because, of course, then you get everyone's opinion. When we started, right. it, people are like, oh, my God, you have an awesome column store database, and it's much more efficient than Elastic. Can we use it? It's like, well, but then ironically, you have this, the snowflake problem, not that snowflake, but you have the yeah, everyone yeah. wants to of do course. something different problem.
1: It's um, hard. Managing and building like democracies, it's, it's a lot of work it's not always clean right and so the benevolent dictator you know side of thing you know might work better and, and that's kind of where we we ended up which was until we had the resources and a you know eight person developer relations team and dedicated engineers whose whole job was to support the community right. we couldn't we couldn't do it and show up with the right integrity frankly mm-hmm.
0: okay no that makes sense so is there something that, as you say, looking back, um, that you think ha- you've done, you and your partners have done. Um, I'm also old, so sometimes I say partner instead of co-founder. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, um, have done that has enabled people to... Javi,
1: you're a tech startup forever. It's all good, buddy.
0: I will always be. I <laughs> have the ideas. We need to... Again, it's focus, right? You need to do this. have focus because there's so many things to do, right? Um, is there something that you've done or, or a set of things that has uh, enabled so many of the people that have sort of worked at Voxel, you know, and even at Packet to, you know, be the next generation, you know, to start? Because it, it's, it's I, I sort of think that um, one way to judge how you're doing in your career is the people that you've worked with. How are they doing? Um, yeah. You know, what are you enabling?
1: It's a nice reflection. Um, I, I, I don't know if I have all the answers, but I, I like, I mean, first off, I love you know, not only creating product, I love creating outcomes for people. I think it's really exciting. And one of the true joys I've had in my career is being able to do that. Um, I believe that in infrastructure, um, digital infrastructure, cloud and networks, um, it's one of those areas that is still kind of apprenticeship driven, you know, you don't go to like get the you know master's degree in cloud computing and then start a cloud computing business. You kind of like show up and work next to the person who's running the network, and then you start figuring out how to run the global backbone. And then you know, like that's kind of how it goes. And that that to me, that's why I called it internet plumbers, you know, early on, because I actually believe that it's a trade that is super lucrative and necessary and exciting and whatnot. So if you have desire and interest and passion. There's plenty of ways to catch up. I always tell new people coming into the industry, don't worry. It's all changing in the next one or two years anyways. So you're not that out of date, right? (laughs) So it's all good. Um, And um, I think being really open to, now we call it at Equinix, new to career, but not treating new to career as, you know, well, this is your first job, but you should know the things. More of like, let's get you on the journey. And it's, our mandate my mandate my my accountability and responsibility to mentor you to apprentice you into this business right and that will be a good thing for us because number one probably will be a great employee and loyal and learn and if you're passionate about it there's all kinds of great stuff that we all need figured out um and number two like that will create a career path for somebody and so i think that at voxel raj had a special quality of really identifying people who were driven to a mission right um and helping you know take in anybody who frankly had that a desire from a mission and find the right work for them to do some of the reasons why we created whole products were because wow this person really is great and wants to work on you know is passionate about what we're doing but we don't have a position oh let's create something for you know he or she and um and the other was just providing that kind of training ground and being really open to role um, migration or accountability. Like, oh, you've only been here six months, but you're doing a great job. But now you're the boss. Great, let's do it. Like that was an like you can do it. Like you're only you're just getting started. It's all good. And I think that having that and then supporting people has just allowed that to occur. And luckily, we're in an industry that has been growing right? A lot over yeah. the past few, few, few think we continues to grow. matter what happens
0: <laughs> so, in the greater market.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so not only was it like, you know, you mm-hmm. use the phrase doing well by doing good. Like I was selfishly like, what were we going to do? Go compete for the talent that didn't exist or help grow new talent, like create new awesome leaders and people. So I think that's just been a, it's been a, a mission that I've always had um, both selfishly, but for the community, because it helped me. I just came into this, this, Industry as a bass player didn't know anything about Lunix. <laughs> and yet it's done really well for me because other people said, "Hey, yeah, like that's okay." Said Raj, "Let me show you how to do this." And you know, Adam Rothschild would always answer my questions, and then Alex would give us a colo rack and say, "It's cool, let me show you." Right? And those things people gave and opened doors from a technical standpoint, and then from a business standpoint. Um, just had a lot of great breaks along the way. Frankly, I always consider startups to be messy, and you can't you can't you know figure out timing. Sometimes it just like the the, the world aligns, but you can increase serendipity. <laughs> and so you, you know, put yourself creating, in a
0: position to take maximum advantage of getting lucky. But you do need to get lucky
1: sometimes. You absolutely need to get lucky, and and then so sometimes the people you just meet along the way, as long as you're respect, receptive, um, you know, can really just change um your trajectory and for me i've had several of those from um you know uh raul martinet came into voxel in 2009 and we were out of money we were growing so fast that we couldn't afford to buy anything and nobody was giving any debt at the Uh, time yeah and we were just like we had this super weird position of like oh my god we're growing really fast but we can't grow because we have no money um because we were bootstrapped and had had no capital base and um Raul is just such a great partner. He helped us raise the capital. He helped institute like a lot of the things I live by today and running businesses that were not like I was always overcomplicating it. And he's like, listen, it's not that complicated. Get the right people in the right seat, doing the right job, and they're probably going to do amazing things for you. So focus on that. And uh, hey, Zach, like stop worrying too much about things you can't control and start figuring out what you're going to do about that today. And so he gave me some really just incredible personal coaching that showed me how management and leadership, you know, could, and humility along the way, um, could really create better outcomes. So, you know, that's been a, a pretty, pretty awesome ride is to meet some of those people along the way.
0: So we talked about a, a, a few things that are related. Mm. Um, Getting them young, or at least early, it could be someone who's 50, but in, new into the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially getting people early in career is a much more diverse pool of candidates than if you say people that are you know later in career. So if you're trying to build, you know, yeah, um,
1: especially in our industry, yeah, yeah.
0: Um,
1: I mean, or the peering world
0: is more diverse, uh, you know, than say the core internet engineering world yeah. um, at packet Fabric, um, Anna talks about trying to sell to computer science people that, as you said, it internet is a distributed system. You know, wouldn't you like to, if you're a math person or if you're a computer right. science person, like, wouldn't you like to study the biggest, you know, distributed system that's the most critical? Um, and uh, you know, at, at my net access, Alex had the other NAC, net access, NACNET. Uh, at my net access, that was we looked for the bright shiny eyes, but mm-hmm. it's actually a positive thing to say, hey, I don't know you know, where can you show me or I'm interested in systems or web hosting or networking totally. or...
1: Oh my God, if somebody if shows up and they raise their hand saying, I am super interested, don't know anything about this, but I really want to learn. You're like,
0: awesome. <laughs> I almost <laughs> feel through. like we need to... Sometimes um, we need to uh, maybe anti-train people that in college, you know, it's sort of like, oh, I'm going to get a job and they're going to tell me what to do. And... Um, you know that isn't necessarily encouraged. So I sort of feel mm-hmm. sometimes when we get people that come through, I'll say the system. I'm, I have all but two classes of an undergraduate degree, so I went through the system. I have one semester of grad school actually at Stony Brook, which Gail did not live, like living out there. But uh, uh, but my ISP, like you, had already started, and it was clear it was either going to make money or make me very bankrupt because uh, I could buy an infinite number of modems, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the capital for it. Um, so you know, what's what's the trade off between or i guess let me let me let me go back mentorship and yes. yeah. you know the ways in which this is similar to you know being an artisan in in the 1200s mm-hmm. that that's good but is that is that trickier with covid does it sort of deny access and make it hard like i think sometimes one of the challenges is how do we help formalize some of it in a world where you know, we don't get to pattern by hanging out with each other, you know, as much as we did. Is that is that you say net positive, or are there are there things that you, you think about that we could improve with that, uh, you know, mass, uh, sorry, um, you know, the 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 uh, tradesperson and apprentice model.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's a net positive. I think that the concept of like who will hang out at the water cooler was already pretty pretty selective, right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I mean, if you had a badge to work in 1118 and then you were already there, then we could hang out at the water cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, flattening in terms of remote has been awesome. Um, and I I spent a bunch of my time. I'm the chair of an operating board of a nonprofit called Pursue, which is based in Queens, New York, and helps bring underrepresented communities into the technology ecosystem. And we mainly focus on full stack developers and mm-hmm. whatnot. And What's been fascinating about that journey is our average person who applies for our program is making eighteen thousand dollars a year um, usually supporting two to two to two to three generations right and um, and our you know after a one year program that we put through on uh, nights and weekends and all the other times where they can actually participate including Getting internet access and providing computing resources and finding you know quiet places to work you know and do do your studying, um, average um, income average across the cohorts is eighty eight thousand dollars a year, sure. which is a pretty incredible because it doesn't change that person's life; it changes everybody around them, right? You know? And creates tons of possibilities for like, oh, I didn't know. Well. She did that. I guess I could do that. And that starts to happen and occur. And we've graduated several thousand people into tech jobs at this point um, doing this. What I love about that is the now um, we've we always had a barrier, um, frankly, with pursuit. And I've seen it as I've entered into a larger company and never had it at packet where we had a remote first. We don't care if you have a degree, <clears throat> like, you know, felony background check on, you know, misdemeanor drug thing, not an issue for us. Like, you know, we had very what I'm going to call progressive hiring standard, but we also had to because we were looking everywhere in the world for talent right. with, you know, a certain set of budget that we could afford and certain kind of things, whatever. And so you were always like willing to reinvest in like a global way, you know, with a lots of, you know, kind of, I'm going to call it the more thin rules, obviously, basic background checks and things like that, but like, whatever. And, and what I found at larger companies is there are systemic things put into the hiring processes. That really go against this, right? And so, you know, we've worked to change that here at Equinix, whether it is like where you're home out of, like you had to be out of certain offices, um, whether it was minimum degree requirements or skill sets that naturally went against new to career or anybody with a non traditional path in terms of, you know, um, education or, yeah, whatever, like must have at least, you know, for an entry level job, must have at least six years of experience in the career. I'm like, what? Well, how's that gonna work? You know, like, and so figuring out how to change some of those things and then build, right? By the way, they aren't incredibly successful talent acquisition strategies long-term because you're competing you know, with a very, very aggressive technology landscape these days, as you know, right? For talent. And so you end up fighting over the same things. And so what I've tried to do is help, and I think it is an opportunity, I call it being long-term greedy. Mm -hmm. which is like, is it easier to hire the person that already knows how to do the things? I guess so. Maybe. If you can find the person, if the budget works, if they stick, if the culture fits, all these other things, right? Yes, it might take a little longer to invest and mentor somebody. Maybe it costs you more resources. But actually, long-term, greedy, like like, average it out in like a startup, this is where I focused. Because averaging out over a few years, I actually think that the invest in people and grow them strategy is actually has a better ROI in almost all cases, from what I've seen, at least in my career. And one of the areas that I worked in, Packet was venture-backed. I know we shared some similar investors and whatnot, was getting buy-in from my investors who immediately turned to like, okay, when do you turn on the hiring and the recruiting because we need to go fast because you just got your Series B. I'm like, well, you know what I really want to do is like I want to go and invest in a mentorship program and go longer and bring new people because that's going to be a talent strategy for me over the next 24 to 36 months. They're like, that's way too long. You need to go get people now, right? Well, and so trying to get the buy-in from venture capital, I think is also really important and get like the social accountability side for VCs to say, hey, hey, when we do your Series B, we are going to make sure that we support and fund a mentorship program, yeah. like an apprenticeship program, because we know that that's a hiring strategy that will be sustainable in our, you know, inclusivity goals as well as you should you know, uh, getting talent.
0: <laughs> blog about that. I think people understand in the VC world the um, compounding nature of SaaS, as the great mm-hmm. Lemkony writes about. Right, the the investments we make, you know, and the virality of it. But often, I mean, I've seen not my investors, I have great investors, but investors where I've said, "Hey, I heard, I see this company shutting down. We can help place those people." And like, not my problem. Go talk to the whatever interim CIO CEO I hired to, you know, do the do the company. I'm on to the next thing. Right. Um, but you know, really, it helps the ecosystem, the venture ecosystem, and you know. Even you know other companies in tech, um,
1: I, th- I would say that Avi, like you, you probably see it, but I think one of the biggest risks to our industry in general is the lack of talent. Like we need more talent, we need more diverse talent, we need a broader base of ideas of talent. Like that is all good for our industry. So I think supporting that in, yeah venture companies, in Fortune 500 companies, like what I work for. And I'm really proud that Equinix has a strong inclusivity message in DIB. They've been extremely receptive and changed tons of things related to our hiring. And actually, the, the pandemic and the remote work you know, situation has actually forced a lot of those things because everybody's rethinking their talent strategies right now yeah. because of yeah. global... When we you started,
0: know, investors pre pre-COVID, we were two-fifths local in the Bay Area. And three fifths remote, and people are like, is that a conscious decision? Um, it's like, no. We, as you said, we just need to hire people, and if right. they're good people will hire them, wherever. But I, I do struggle with. I think the industry struggles with this. With how do we do that? Uh, I'm told I can't say osmotic learning because those are two big words. Mm. But the, the, the apprenticeship model yeah. and formalize it, and, and,
1: and you know, I have some, I have some inspiration there. And for me, I think you have to commit to the model. But by the way. Like I work at a company now that has 13,000 people all across the globe. The concept of like being in the same place at the same time is not an option, right? right. Yeah. And so like, as a knowledge company, we have to find ways to be inclusive. For example, Zoom meetings are pretty cool. They're not very inclusive when you have people all the way around the world and asking people to get up at 4am in the morning to join yeah. your all hands. Like, okay, well, I guess we should really think about how we make communication... You know, knowledge sharing, participation to be inclusive regardless of time zone, right? Or language barriers or whatnot. I'm inspired, frankly, by open source, right? My early days participating in Linux had three kind of communication modalities. One, message boards. Threaded contextual conversations that? that were asynchronous. Use that, right? Asynchronous communication that had deep context that you can still go and Google and find the thought process behind... Very complex technical decisions in the Linux kernel because it's like it's there. And so that that might be useful for right now, but somebody coming in who wants to add to that didn't need to be there at the time. They can still get the context, which is so powerful. The second thing is then real time collaboration, IRC, Slack. You know, team, Zoom, whatever. It's real time. We can, we can meet, you know, wherever we are, we can have a communication time zone, obviously, being the challenge, but like, we can do that. And the third thing, which I think is what we really got to get back to, ASAP, were, you know, hallway track, conferences, yep. get together, break bread, build emotional connections with people. Right. And I think like if we can mix those three things, not realize that it's just one, it is, you know, yeah. you know, asynchronous, but deep amount of knowledge synchronous but like relatively hard for context, you know, or or large amounts of volume sharing. And third is human connection. Like I think that's a strategy that can work across apprenticeship models too. You just have to be focused. You can't be like, oh, if it was easy and they were sitting next to me. Like well it's not. <laughs> and so you know we have to design around those things. And a lot of that will have to do I notice yeah. things like onboarding new new to career people is is hard. Oh yeah. It <laughs> takes a lot of work. And I think back to I used to is it like GE or somebody who would um, like do like the rotations? Like you would mm-hmm. spend the first yeah. six months rotating yeah. throughout every part of the business.
0: Yeah.
1: I That's started doing that. And do so that working pretty well at, at, at Equinix. We're starting to rotate people into the data center and then rotate them into sales and rotate them into success. And yeah, it takes a little while for us to get through the rotation, like three months, but man, they come out with a lot of contextual knowledge and a ton of relationships.
0: And yeah, it's the relationships, you know, at Akamai, under a month, maybe it was a month, I don't know, after I started, we started network architecture inside engineering. Yeah. And then in a month, it was like, okay, it's now a whole separate group. We're unifying the business strategy and the technology. In that month, now it was you know, bubble 1.0. We added 400 people in that month. The right. relationships <laughs> that were built by having you know, had that inside engineering and you know, help all the way to this day. Um, where my brother still has that job you know running
1: running the network group, and um, uh, yeah I was so rotating that. through to meet those different people, which might take you one or two years if you were just sitting in your siloed thing and reaching out and trying to create those connections if it was a force rotation, so I think there are strategies let's put it that way. What would be super cool if if and I think that this is an opportunity for companies to work together, maybe in the networking space, maybe in cloud infrastructure like There can be blueprints. You don't have to invent all this stuff. There can be like, please fork my repo on how to do an onboarding process that is inclusive. You know, like, that would be cool. When when we Uh, have spare time. Come on. I'll give
0: it it to First Round. Uh, First Round Capital runs a Quora-like network for, you know, they call the network and they're trying to help with stuff like that. Oh, sweet. Um, I still, I'll see if I can get you an honorary invite. They... Made the mistake of running contests on who can answer questions the most questions, so um, I like to win those. But
1: I read on Quora that somebody had answered like two hundred fifty thousand questions on SQL all by himself, and that's like the Guinness Book of World Records for like that's most questions ever to answer. Keeps on inviting SQL. me
0: to like earn five hundred dollars a month by being an expert, but I've been I've been off of it. And uh, <laughs> but you know I, I still have people, our salespeople go into companies, they're like, oh, yes, I remember reading the BGP thing, um, you know, that Avi wrote in the 90s. And like, okay, well, we got the meeting. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there is a long tail to open Source and helping people and, and you know, having people uh, that have been in the ecosystem go. Right-o- but I still, yeah, I still think that we have to think about some of that, some of that apprenticeship, as you were saying, documenting, you know, across the industry. And I know yeah. Manog's thinking about it. You know, and it's tough. But for someone that wants to break in, mm. um, you know, in open source, you go. You know, people can look at GitHub, and you yep. know, you experience working in teams that you, frankly, just having a college degree doesn't usually, um, even didn't really used to. But you know, doesn't necessarily. Well, what can people stand out? You know, if they're interested in, uh, uh, you know, in showing that they're that they have the bright shiny eyes. You know, and they're interested. What what makes someone interesting? As
1: yeah, well, I mean, obviously, uh, GitHub is just a great place because it's super transparent, right? I always, you know, when I interview people, which I don't do very often these days, but when I get an in interview, people and they say I'm super passionate about this. I just look them up on GitHub. I'm like, really? Are you? <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> Let's just go look. Uh, um, do you
0: even, you know, help with documentation,
1: right? Exactly. Yeah. There's tons of areas to participate, and you don't have to have any technical knowledge. And if you're passionate about things, and you show up with a green thumb, and like I literally know nothing about this, I know nothing about GoBGB. Say says networking noob, right? But I would like to help clean up the issues list, or I would like to help run the contributors meeting every Thursday, or I would like to take care of the, you know, culling of something. Please teach me. Like people will be like, oh my god, yes, we could use your help, right? And um, I think that. Some of those ways, are, you have to learn different skills in this remote world now because before maybe you could go to the meetups, mm-hmm. which are a little harder to go to. Or you could go to the you know, conferences and hang out on the floor and get the stickers and start to talk with people and ask questions, right? Um, you just have to do different strategies now. Um, but I think that those are all possibilities still. And the world of SaaS is also kind of cool because you can show up and talk with the people on chat and ask them questions and... you know. Find out, like, can I get a free trial to use this? And, like, people generally say yes, right? And then you could, like, go write a blog post on, hey, here's what it was like to sign up and use Kentick for the first time. And here's what I learned. Wow. Notice like, you? you would notice, <laughs> and it would be like, hey. <laughs> um, and and, and I, so I think that like, being like, genuine and vulnerable in that regard for somebody new to career is actually great because most people will then really empathize with that and help. And so it means like, hey, I signed up for something because I'm interested in networking and I used it and I had a lot of trouble because I don't know these things and I asked these questions and here's what I learned. That's being open. That's being vulnerable. These are great qualities for new employees. And I think it's also a great way to build your authenticity, which is frankly what I look for in, in um, new to careers. like, do you have the drive? Are you going to think outside the box to come up with, you know, like to, to satisfy your... Questions, right? And, you know, are you genuine? Do you want it? Like, is this important to you? And if so, man, we could, we could impart lots of knowledge. That's not going to be a problem. um,
0: We look for passion in, especially early career in something, right? What's the thing? It doesn't have to be networking, right? Or or
1: technology, but um, it could be customers. It could be document. Like, I really care about wiki markup,
0: or (laughs) poker, or you know, something, the thing which gets someone to like, oh, yes, but, you know, have some opinions yeah. with, you know, humility, but, you know, have, have that passion, um, you know, and, and hopefully. And I, I think there's
1: that. a great, op- like in the old world of ISPs doing the tech support, you know, customer service. Yeah. I think it's just an awesome opportunity to start your career in customer success mm-hmm. where, you know, it's really about being with people and being interested. In the product that you're representing and the customers and what they're trying to do with it. And, and their life. Like, yeah, there's what? so yeah. much to, so much opportunity in customer success right now because all of sales is transitioning from this like mm-hmm. sales-led motion to success-led, where being deeply, you know, passionate about helping people use the thing is the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that is just a great entry level, right? Where you don't have to be in sales. So you can don't, you know, you have to get in that, but you can be in the let me help people. And such a great way to learn and interact a dozen times a day or whatever with people trying to use a technical product. So I think there's a lot of new opportunities as tech moves from just being like the tech side of thing to sure. tech-enabled sales and tech-enabled success and tech-enabled marketing and tech-enabled content, right? So even pretty cool.
0: Product and design, which is like, how can we make this easier for people? You know, the, the platonic ideal is every support ticket is a bug. In practice, we don't you know, with enough functionality, sometimes you can't actually do that. People have disagreements, right. but um, yeah, I think maybe we could do better as an industry on the SaaS side too. And again, I mean, Packet was sort of yes, it was it was SaaS principles, but you know, towards towards yeah, SaaS-ish. Helping people understand what is the map of a SaaS company, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what are the skills and, and overlaps. I'll, I'll definitely think about that. Um, uh, you know, as we do as we do, uh, you know, recruiting.
1: Um, oh, and if you're listening to this and you're new to career, like just reach out to Avi or me on LinkedIn yeah. and bug us because yeah. we will probably reply because that's something we do. Yes. Um, and don't feel shame to do that anywhere. You know, reach up, hold your hand, and say, "I want to learn more," and yeah. you'll probably get a fairly positive response.
0: Happy to do an intro. It might not be exactly you know our field, so um, well, we'll do it at the end also. But how how should people reach you if they're they can't if they're listening to this and need to reach you right now.
1: Um, so uh, the snail mail at no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm on Twitter zsmithnyc or I'm on LinkedIn, which is zsmith. I managed to get that one. Um, both of those are the best. Um, you can also find me in Lower Manhattan. Generally around, I drink coffee, so I'm usually at a coffee shop or something.
0: Berkeley Sausage Bun is not in Lower Manhattan, and nor is uh, Hill Country Barbecue. So
1: exactly. Yeah, but those are the two best ways. Twitter DM me or um, mentioned, and uh, LinkedIn is a great way as well. Um, and always happy to uh, connect or, or learn more. I also sit on, like I said, um, you know, the operating board of Pursuit and participate in that pretty heavily. So it's another great place if you're interested in launching a career in tech or or whatnot, transitioning from a different kind of um, career path. That's a really a good place where I'd be happy to happy to meet you. Okay.
0: cool. And I'm Avi Friedman at Twitter and LinkedIn, and Avi at Kentic.com. Hopefully the spam bots are not, you know, doing audio to oh oops. I guess actually we we do transcripts with this podcast. So that's one of the reasons I liked casted when I was some pod some podcasts, you know, don't do the transcripts, which I thought was like, well, we want Google to find this stuff. And then casted actually you can like highlight it and then it becomes a clip and you can embed it in a blog and stuff like that. So hmm. uh, it was pretty cool. Hmm. So network and cloud. And, you know, as you said, there's all this transition going on. Like, what's what's the difference between, you know, cloud networking, SP networking, enterprise networking, um, you know, what you're doing at Voxel, you know, what you're doing now. Um, people think, you know, with cloud, there is no network, right? It's just APIs.
1: Like Right, no... except that's the two, the two things you get. The one thing you actually have to buy from clouds is the network. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everything gave, else is pretty uh, yeah, optional. <laughs> yeah. We have a friend there who says, he has two sayings. One, uh, um, there's there's no cloud without network, and the more Zen one
1: is, network is the water of the clouds. <laughs> it is the same. I'm so I'm so one with you. Obviously. <laughs> um, well, you know, we think a lot about networking in a broad sense um, at Equinix. Um, I mean, it's the core of our business, although. You know, six plus billion dollars of our revenue comes from selling, you know, co-location and related. Right. It's like the reason why people do that is because they can interconnect at Equinix, and so networking is kind of whether it's you know at layer zero or you know above is kind of where we generally derive our our value and kind of our mission around c- creating connected ecosystems. Um, I think that like most parts of the technology stack, networking is undergoing a really really. Seismic shift in most enterprises um, from effectively a pretty static, um, I'm going to call it back of the house operation, um, where it was in service to kind of some pretty slow changing product cycles and slow changing business cycles, right? Kind of akin to a telecom product cycle in a regulated market. Like you don't reinvent you know, MPLS every year, right, you know, kind of thing. And so there's a lot of networking that has, is built into a kind of concept of a very long cycle and slow change, which allows you to have things like functional handoffs between the architectures and the operations, you know, or like, you know, those things can, can really kind of work because you can create the runbook and the training manual and then train everybody on how to do that. And then like that, that can subsist for a while. Right. And we, we kind of used to have that in the software too, right? Waterfolly create software, ship it once every three years, like install it and support it with the ops team who did the supporting of the software and the patching while their people wrote the software. Right. right. And now, now we're in this like continuous release cycle of whether it's SaaS or related where like, write it, run it is the is the deal. Like in right. DevOps SRE model, remodel, I don't care which you want to know, but like it's moving too fast and it's too complex to possibly do operations separate from the 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 creation. Right. And so I see that happening like it's like a an echo right now that I see happening in the network side where there's a big transition towards a well, world network is pretty much software. Right. Right. Obviously, there's a significant amount of other things that are required, just like in software. You need the computer to run on <laughs> it. But like there is this like wide concept of 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 the transporty thing and whatever, but network in 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 terms of a capability set is, is software, right? And yep. now that's starting to move at software speed, which is frankly a challenge for some of the organizing structures of a lot of enterprises and service providers. Service providers got there faster because they were in the business of doing more of it. But enterprises now who are finding that digital is their core competitive weapon or their core competitive defense, whichever one you want to do it, like, digital is the thing. Well, like, networking is just like one of those software tools. And so I think that's causing it to move faster and, and be part of the innovation cycle versus this like back office. So my, my, my hotels or restaurants analogy is now it's moved front of the house. It's experience. Network is the experience.
0: So, any uh, as as we wrap here, any last you know thoughts, advice you would give earlier, Zach? Um, uh, maybe I guess would you still go to Juilliard? I guess that's the question. You know? Hell yeah, I okay. would still go
1: to Juilliard. Okay, that was great. It was like my <laughs> best choice ever. Got to New York City, met people who were like world class at something, and like tried to uh, frankly learn how to be self critical. Um, I would say, you know, ask more questions. Um, it's just like always helpful. And so young Zach, you know, although ask questions still had quite the uh, you know, we all have our little egos, right? And uh-huh. whatnot. Yeah. And I would I would chip mine down. And the and the other one is I would probably, of course, and this is probably what every 40 something year old says to their 20 something year old self is like. Take some time. Enjoy like what you <laughs> you know. Like I was so Jackrabbity, like ready to get going. That I think in a lot of ways, some things, both I did in life and business, you know, I, I I passed by too quick. Well, Avi, thanks for having me. It's been super fun catching up with you and talking. And um, I'm glad that we didn't get too far into networks because you know, well shaky well, ground for me. We,
0: we can do that next time. We can do that okay. next time. Um, so again, Zach. How so, do it's you network know?
1: as funk, right?
0: Network as fun, network as funk, all those. Things. I got you. Okay, yes. cool. <laughs> API for network as a service. Uh, so how how should people find you
1: again? Yep, Z Smith on LinkedIn or Z Smith NYC on Twitter. And uh, I'm not going to give you my corporate email because it will most definitely get stuck in the spam.
0: So okay, well we won't do that. <laughs> well, thanks again, and um, um, thanks for catching up. And I've definitely got some follow up topics that we can nerd about uh, offline as well.
1: Thanks, Javi. Take care.